Happy August, everybody. Kevin Bowen. Another edition of Kevin's Corner. We are in studio. Chris Presley rocking his volunteers. That's right. Nice polo today in studio. Um, we both do. We're yeah. We're both representing our, got a little, our favorites. Yeah, I got a little Masters action here. You know, first major of the year. Figure might as well be the loser golf fan that I am and, you know, rock it. So, um, a little bit of news, certainly, to get into on today's Kevin's Corner. Um, we'll, we'll touch on uh, the players with the most to prove this year, kind of another annual segment that we do. Uh, lots and lots of Twitter questions. Um, but I feel like finally we're moving in somewhat of a one step in front of the other direction in the NFL. It's, it's not the uh, biggest steps that people would like to see, but they are steps forward, and that means something. And it means something in a positive manner. I'll get into that a little bit more on the podcast. But, um, yeah, so far, I think, I don't know, what are we, about a weekend of camp-ish? Mm-hmm. So good, I think. So far. Yeah. I like the uh, behind-the-scenes video that the Colts had on their Twitter of Paris Campbell yeah. kind of walking you through just some of the different steps that they're going to be taking this year. Agreed. I thought I thought that was um, a cool aspect and, and gets you a little bit behind the curtain of what exactly it looks like for normalcy in training camp and in the NFL right now. So, um, yeah, I thought that was cool to see. And, and as far as people wondering, you know, when will the media get out there? I'm hoping next week, if not next week, certainly the week after that. But maybe even next week, that's when the Colts will start practice. Not full pads, but they'll get on the practice field. This week is just strength and conditioning. Um, so, yeah, hopefully I'll, I'll be able to be on site and just get a little bit more eyes and ears as to uh, what the Colts look like here in 2020. Yeah, and your media availability today, still on Zoom. You talked to Reich and to Rivers. Some interesting news coming from Frank Reich. Uh, what's your takeaway from that? Yeah, you know, I, I was um, I was curious if he was going to mention any guys opting out as we now approach the deadline. As we record this, we are 25 hours from the deadline. So with our luck, something else will happen. But here we are. Going to record anyways. Marvell Tell, Roland Milligan, two names that I think listeners of this podcast will recognize. Certainly Marvell Tell, I would expect. Um, but now that's three names so far for the Colts. You know, when they entered Tuesday, I want to say they were one of eight or nine teams in the entire NFL not to have a player opt out mm-hmm. uh, up to that point. Um, Sky Moore yesterday, then Marvell Tell and Roland Milligan today. I guess my thoughts are this, Chris, and I'll first start off by saying impact on the team with all of these guys. Sky Moore, I thought, had very little shot to make the 53-man roster. He's on the deepest position group on the team. He's the only non-Chris Ballard draft pick at linebacker. Chris Ballard has totally revamped that room. He's drafted everybody besides Sky Moore, who was a notable undrafted free agent. You know, He was a leading tackler at South Carolina every single year. He, he actually started as an undrafted free agent in week one. In 2018, that probably shows you, you know, more so where the Colts were at at that point of, as a football team. But, um, it, you know, practice squad at best sort of thing. You know, the Colts, that's a position group that we've talked about is deep. And so, uh, yeah, I didn't think Sky Moore would make this team. Milligan and Tell, um, these are notable losses. And they might not seem that notable to fans on August 5th, but let's talk about it again on October 5th. Or November 5th, when, you know, Rocky Scenes hurt a hamstring and could be out two to three weeks. Or, you know, Kari Willis is dealing with a stinger and might be out two to three weeks. You know, Odom, or, um, excuse me, Milligan and Tell both played 
somewhat meaningful roles for this football team last year. Probably mm-hmm. tell more so than Milligan. But if they're playing meaningful roles for you last year, well, now let's factor in COVID and the depth being the most important thing in the world right now for NFL teams this season. You're going to need these guys. Yeah. Like These are guys that, again, they might just be number 42 and 49 on the roster right now, and, and they aren't going to like – you know, have a huge amount of impact in week one or something like that. But over the course of a 16-game season, these are two guys that I think would have factored. Um, I think both of them would have made the 53-man roster right away. Milligan would have made it because Julian Blackman, I expect to start the year on PUP. Right. So I think that's where his impact comes. I had Milligan as fourth on the safety depth chart. Malik Hooker, Kari Willis, George Odom. And then Roland Milligan, and then obviously Julian Blackman once he gets healthy and factors in. So he could have left the 53-man roster, you know, once Blackman got healthy. But I think he would have started the year mm-hmm. on it. Marvell Tell, this one stings because, again, from a pure roster depth chart standpoint, probably wasn't going to play a whole lot if everyone is healthy. But one injury, and all of a sudden he could go from, like, Almost that Quincy Wilson role, where Quincy Wilson was a healthy scratch, and then if you suffer an injury to an outside corner like Pierre Desir, all of a sudden Quincy Wilson's got to play a ton. Yep, That's kind of the role I expect to tell to be in this year of, okay, your outside corners, Rocky Yassine, Xavier Rhodes, and then Kenny Moore certainly will play every down like he should. So that's your nickel package, those three guys. Well, if Xavier Rhodes gets hurt or Rocky Yassine gets hurt, now Marvell Tell is playing seventy five percent of the game. Very meaningful match. Huge, yeah. huge. So, uh, and then also, I, I think it just stunts his growth a little bit. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that's made a position switch that is significant, and he's year two in the NFL. And the Colts were encouraged by how he finished off last season. So, I think that's where it hurts these guys. And I am not going to get into the to the the debate of why these guys are opting out or any like I have no freaking idea what their family lives are like. And this kind of goes back to what I said on last week's podcast. These three guys, if they're making this decision, it, it's significant for their own lives. There's no way. Like these three guys have not made thirty and forty million like some of the New England guys that have maybe opted out mm-hmm. that you might say, okay, you know, they can afford not to take that risk that maybe some other guys are in the league. So, yeah, I mean, I was, um, you know, this is not starter 22, you know, any of those guys, but um, it, it's notable. And, and Tell is the most notable name because we have to remember, Xavier Rhodes is 30 years old in a contract year. Mm-hmm. TJ Carey, who you signed, who's thought to be more of a slot, has played some outside, but thought to be more of a slot. He's 30 years old in a contract year. You know, Marvell tells the guy that you think about down the road as, okay, two, three, four years, and now you just wonder, yes, he could come back next year and fine, but you lose some development. And I just think of the NFL, when when you are not with a team for a full year, boy, yeah. uh, they can lose sight of you pretty quick, and they can forget about you pretty quick. Um, so I think that has to be thought of as well. So. Um, I know people are clamoring for, oh, my gosh, who are the secondary free agents out there? And I do think the Colts would be wise to go sign somebody. You have to remember is this. These two positions, fourth corner and fourth safety, if that's what you want to call them, they're not starting spots. So if you are, you know, 
Tremaine Johnson or, you know, Eric Reed or, you know, Clayton Gathers on the open market. You know, some of these, like, if you're going to want to enter a building, you kind of want to do what Mike Mitchell did a few years ago where you know you're going to get a ton of playing time right away. Do you really want to come in here and be the fourth corner or the fourth safety? Like, I'm not not sure on that. Uh, A lot of people talk about Logan Ryan. Again, to me, he's more of that nickel corner. I don't think he's the outside guy, and that's what separates Tell. Like, he's not Isaiah Rogers, the rookie who's more of a nickel. He's not TJ Carey, so I have to be more of a nickel. No, this is a 6-1 long outside corner. You don't have a lot of those guys on your roster. That's what made Quincy Wilson expendable. That's what made Pierre Desir a bit expendable in the Colts' eyes. So I, I think that is um, that's that's something to keep an eye on. But, but Carey and Rogers, this, this helps them in certainly making the roster and uh, getting some playing time. Um, you know, maybe you see a little bit more base defense. I don't want to get too like into the personnel packages. You know, it is something I talked about with Matt Eberflus last week. Of you, know, you hear those debate about trying to play your best eleven. Well, wouldn't that indicate your three linebackers mm-hmm. as part of your best eleven? But then you're losing Kenny Moore out of that nickel, which which he's so you know just solid at. Um, so yeah, notable three opt outs so far for the Colts. Frank Reich said he's optimistic. No one else will opt out. We'll see how the final 24 hours go with that. What else did you take away this afternoon talking to, to Reich and Rivers? Did we learn anything more about training camp or what, what's on the horizon for those guys out there? Yeah, I think going back to what I said earlier about what the layout is of this week, Phillip Rivers is throwing with his wideouts, his tight ends. Coaches are not allowed to watch that. So basically what happens is this. Phillip Rivers comes off the practice field and he immediately goes to Frank Reich's office yeah. and, and tells Frank Reich everything that, that – that just happened. You know, who did I throw to? Who looked good? How were my throws? All those things. Like, you know, Phillip Rivers is Frank Reich's eyes on the practice field. Another pro to having a veteran quarterback come in. Without a doubt, especially one that you trust. Yes. You know, as, as much as Frank does with, with Phillip. Um, so, again, starting next week, that is when you will get coaches, players on the field, no full pads. And then starting August 17th, that is when we'll get full padded practices. Um, what else did I learn? Yeah, Phil Rivers is crazy, sends all these audio messages. <laughs> Frank Reich reads some of our stuff, which is great. Keep on giving the clicks. Rivers said he had no it didn't didn't consider opting out at all. Not worried about the nine kids. Said they're still I I shouldn't say he's not worried about him. You you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um he's still up in the air about homeschooling, if he'll do some of them, whatnot. Um Frank Reich, uh, we talked about it last week, Chris, the uh, the question of you know who would take over for head coach. Mm-hmm. And Frank Reich said that he has met with the coordinators, Sirianni and Iberflus, has contingency plans for every single coach on their staff. So, you know, quality control coach, he goes down for a couple weeks. This is how we'll, we'll handle that. But Frank wouldn't reveal who would be the head coach, and he also doesn't want the staff members to know those contingency plans. He just wants Eberflus and Sirianni to know because he doesn't want people think. I mean, can you imagine yeah. if you were the quality control coach and all of a sudden you've been bumped up to, okay, you're responsible for third down yeah. in the game plan this week. I need like, you to focus on what your job is at hand right now. Right. You don't need them losing sleep overnight over those things, which um, I actually agree with. Awesome. Uh, well, Kev, you have an article up on 1075thefan.com right now. If we want to jump into that, talking about uh, some of the players that are that which Colts have to most prove in 2020. And, and one thing, Chris, before we get into this list, it'll be a top five list. 
think of the most approved in regards to this football team in 2020. Right. You have the easy opt-outs of all these guys on their rookie contracts, you know, the Quincy Wilsons of, of, of last year. So, you know, you won't see Kamoko Ture. You won't see Tyquan Lewis. You won't see Reese Fountain on this list. All three of those guys have a lot to prove for, for many reasons. But I'm talking like, and Ture certainly could factor yes. into this list. But I think when you see the names, you'll realize why these five are on the list. Yeah, that's a great way to preface it because if you didn't have that background, the first name on your list is DeForest Buckner, which would have caught people off guard. But you phrasing it like that makes total sense. Yeah, because, I mean, this is the most important position on this defense. Um, you know, I think I was listening to Chris Ballard on with Colin Cowherd yesterday, and he mentioned how um, without Patrick Mahomes' fourth quarter heroics in the Super Bowl, the MVP would have been DeForest Buckner. Now, obviously that wouldn't have happened because no one votes for a defensive tackle for Super Bowl MVP, but I, I get what Chris is saying. Mm-hmm. Like, that dude impacted the game a whole lot. Yes, he did. So it goes back to what I've said all along. The Colts traded away the 13th overall pick and then paid this dude nearly $100 million over five years. I mean, that is – you talk about valuable resources. Chris Bauer doesn't want to trade a draft pick for anything, and he traded the 13th overall draft pick. So what DeForest Buckner has got to prove is I'm worthy of that. Think about the guys traded for first-round picks mm-hmm. in years past. Minka Fitzpatrick, Khalil Mack. Um, who my uh, homeboy who runs his mouth, Jalen Ramsey. I mean, like these are studs. I mean, th- that is the the upper echelon of, I guess, all defensive players in the NFL. But like, holy shit! I mean, the, those are some damn good football yeah. players. And DeForest Buckner has been like that, and now it's just stringing that together for several years, and then doing it without Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead flanking you. Which, to be fair to Buckner, he produced without Nick Bosa in 2018 at a really high level and still produced at a very notable level last year. Um, But it's different. It is. And so I I think that's why I put him atop this list. We need you to be more of those first three guys you mentioned and not Trent Richardson. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yes. Wow. Jeez. Yeah, that was harsh. But, yeah, I I, I wholeheartedly agree with that and talking about giving up first-round picks. And I also think this, Chris, like, you know, when we talk about the best interior defensive lineman in the league, you know, it's Aaron Donald, it's Chris Jones, it's you know Cameron Hayward, Fletcher Cox. Like, we don't talk maybe about, like, Geno Atkins in that realm as much anymore. Yes. We don't talk about Jarrell Casey as much in that realm. Like, DeForest Buckner, he can't be in that Jarrell Casey, Geno Atkins. He can't be like, oh, that's, that's – uh, he can't have the type of season Justin Houston just had last year. No, 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 he's got to go a step above that. Like, that is the message you sent to him and your entire football team when you said, there's the 13th overall pick and there's $100 million. And I get it. I understand it. But what comes of that is the necessary return that you need. And uh, that'll be what Buckner's got to prove this year. We talked about two guys opting out on the back end of the defense. Second on your list is Malik Hooker. And and what you'll notice here, Chris, is we're going to get a run on guys in contract years. You know, mm-hmm. there's so many notable free agents on this football team. And Malik Hooker is, um, you know, has probably been the most talked about of the free agents this offseason with what the Colts did. Uh, not picking up his fifth-year option, drafting Julian Blackman, 85th overall. And I don't think this is necessarily a prove-it season for Buckner in regards to the Colts. 
I mean, to be frank, the Colts have already told him through their actions what they think of him. Correct. They don't think he is a definite foundational piece moving forward. They have questions about that. So this is more of Hooker. Like, yes, he's got to prove it to this football team because he's interviewing through 16 games with 31 other NFL teams. But it's more so that. It's more so Hooker proving to the rest of the league where I'm at in regards to being a former, what was he, 15th overall pick. Yep. Uh, now, he still matters a whole lot to the Colts because he's going to start, and safety depth is, was a, you know, going back to Tell and uh, Milligan for just a second, we had questions about the safety corner. We had questions about the secondary group before this news. This just kind of makes, you know, reemphasizes that point a little bit more. Um, so, yes, this is just a massive prove-it season for Malik Hooker in the mirror sort of wake-up call, all of those things. Normally, these guys, to me, wouldn't necessarily qualify on this list. But without a doubt, for the Colts to be a good football team and an improved defense, they need more consistent play from number 29. Number three on your list is the man under center, Phillip Rivers. Yeah, old Phil, you know, one year, $25 million, That would mean prove it. Um And I go back to something that I've made a point of this offseason several times now. The Chargers said no to Phillip Rivers without a definite long-term franchise answer in waiting. Mm -hmm. This was not Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes. This was, oh yeah, we got Tyrod Taylor, and uh, with that sixth overall pick, hopefully we'll get a quarterback. You know, it wasn't this, like, seamless of, oh, yeah, dude, you're 38, and we've been planning for this for two or three seasons. Like, we already have this young quarterback that's going to take over. And Rivers has acknowledged it. You know, there's been skeptics. We saw the season that he had last year. So this is a major prove-it season um, for himself and then also for the Colts that, that, that they made the right decision and that there are several elements to the quarterback position that Phillip Rivers brings that Jacoby Brissett did not bring. Um so, I mean, inevitably, I would say every quarterback is on this list. I think last year I put luck on this list of, like, it's prove it to the point of let's go. You just were comeback player of the year. It's time to be, all right, I was the number one overall pick. I was a generational talent. Yep. It's time to be, like, MVP worth. Like, that was my expectation for Andrew Luck last year. Um, so that, you know, Rivers to me doesn't fall, obviously, on that level. But on a level of, you know, upper echelon quarterback, top 15 quarterback in this league, yeah, that's where he falls in my eyes. The guy we hope has great chemistry with Phillip Rivers and makes a lot of catches for him this year is fourth on your list, and that's T.Y. Hilton. You know, uh, Chris, we've talked about proving it on, I think, two different occasions for Hilton. One is health. Yep. And we'll get into that a little bit in Twitter questions. I'll kind of put that on the back burner. But the second that I've talked about is proving it without Andrew Luck. And to be fair to Hilton, the quarterbacks have had a pretty steep drop-off from Andrew Luck. But the numbers are the numbers. And he has not been a bona fide top 10 wideout in this league without number 12 under center. So that's where kind of some of the prove-it stuff comes into play. He's still the most proven pass catcher on this football team. And the Colts need it. You know, I think we had a question this week. Someone, you know, talked about, you know, am I a little worried about the wideout depth? Like, it's a lot of Michael Pittman instantly produce. Paris Campbell somewhat instantly produce. You know, it's like, yeah, 
that that's fair. So there's still a pretty big burden on Hilton. I think whenever you reach the age of 30, whenever you've had a couple injuries flare up, and you're on a contract year, there's a level of proving it of, you know, what is T.Y. Hilton going to be in his 30s? Yeah. You know, is he going to be Larry Fitzgerald? Is he going to have a Reggie Wayne run early in his 30s? I mean, if I'm not mistaken, Reggie had a, I think, I think in 2012, he had a tremendous season that first year with, with luck. He did. And you know, that was into his 30s. So it's just, you, what, are you going to be that guy that tapers off? And... Unfortunately, it happens, especially to those sorts of positions and Hilton's body type. Um, so that's why uh, he's on this prove-it list for him. Number five, a newcomer to the team, Xavier Rhodes. You know, Chris, this is kind of the ultimate prove-it. You know, yeah. a, a, a team that drafted you in the first round had just signed you to a huge deal a couple of off-seasons before. They say sayonara. Boom. Here comes Xavier Rhodes. I mean, he had to take a major pay cut. To join the Colts, that's that's a wake up call. Um, you know, similar to Rivers in a way. This team, this franchise that always believed in you, has said no to you. How do you respond to that? It's your first time going through this. Um, so I think all those reasons are why Rhodes means so much, and the Marvel Tell news only strengthens this. Of like, boy, they need Xavier Rhodes. I mean, if Xavier Rhodes struggles like he did last season. Boy, when the Colts go nickel, it's going to be a, um, oh my, you know, it's, it's, and, and you're, you're pushing all your chips into Rock Yassine. I mean, Rock Yassine and Xavier Rhodes with today's news with Marvell Tell, you know, where you would rank them on their most indispensable list on this football team, they just skyrocketed up that. Absolutely. Skyrocketed up. Yeah. And I go back to their body types, the long, outside corner that if you get in a pinch and you feel like you need someone to follow an opposing wideout around, boom, those are the guys. So huge. I think Rhodes uh, very deservedly needs to be on this list. So um, he's on it. I'm sure our listeners uh, are sitting there tossing around a couple other names that they thought could have possibly been on this list. Oh, are there, are there some? Got? No, I'm just saying, are there some for you that you think people might be talking about Lewis Ture, as you mentioned, Reese Fountain. Yeah, you know, Ture would would be, uh, out of those three, um, would be the most impactful considering what he means to this football team as that edge rusher. But outside of that, I'm like, you know, Kenny Moore's proven himself. Mm -hmm. Darius Leonard has proven himself. Quentin Nelson, Costanzo, Braden Smith, Ryan Kelly. Last year, Ryan Kelly was on this list. He needed to stay healthy. And boom, he did that. And I think he'll be rewarded with, with the contract extension. So, you know, maybe Trey Burton. Staying healthy, Jack Doyle, I mean, you know, it defines consistency, defines reliability. Marlon Mack, I don't think he needs to prove anything. Like, Marlon Mack's been a really good football yes. player. Um, So, no, honestly, no one else stood out to me. This was a much easier list in my mind. Some people will might disagree with this. In my mind, to kind of cut off outside of Ture than it was to do most indispensable. That was the list of where I didn't have Nelson top five. I right. didn't have Hilton I think it was Hilton. Hilton and Kenny Moore, I think, were the other two mm-hmm. that I didn't have on that top five list. And you could make compelling arguments for those three to be on that. With this one, I don't know. I'm curious to see if there is any pushback on it. But outside of Ture, 
Yeah, I don't. I to me, it's like it's not so much what Marlon Mack can do this year. It's not so much what Anthony Walker can can do this year. It's more of like what will Bobby Okereke do? What will Jonathan Taylor do? Yeah. to influence the Colts' willingness to say, "Wow, we really need those guys to come back to our football team." Ready to jump into some Twitter questions? Yeah, man. I'll tell you what. This is a long list. So, um, yeah, yeah. Let's. It is, and it's fun because we still have some of the the fun ones in there, like the hypotheticals. But now that we are in training camp, it's awesome to see it shift towards the actual play on the field. Chris Presley, one month from today, roster cuts. Yeah. I mean, folks, it is a – you aren't going to get doom and gloom from Kevin Bowen on uh, on this podcast. I'll I'll get into it. But I am – I'm optimistic about the NFL. And uh, I, I didn't think I would say that, you know, a couple weeks ago or even even a month ago. Well, let's kick it off with Anton. How crazy is it? A future with a backfield looking like Taylor, Hines, and Wilkins. Well, I don't think it's that crazy at all. But when you say the word future, I'm like, that might just be for 2021. You know, running back, I'm sorry. I can't go with a group and be like, boom, they're your three running backs for the next four years. Unfortunately, that's just not life. Um, there's a lot of pressure on Jordan Wilkins. We had a couple questions about him that this week. You know, I, I think we also need to remember Jordan Wilkins is a little bit on the older end for a rookie contract running back. I think he's two full years older than um, Marlon Mack and came out a year after Marlon Mack. So, you know, when you think about running backs and contracts and numbers, and yes, there's not the wear and tear, but like, there, there's a little bit on that. If this is the group next year, Taylor Hines, Wilkins, and Marlon Mack walks in free agency, I get to day three of the draft, I'm still taking a running back. Mm-hmm. And I'm taking one that can help me out on first and second down because, you know, God forbid an injury to Jonathan Taylor. Hello? I mean, <laughs> you're really scrambling there. This is a league anymore. It doesn't surprise me if you take a running back every year. Every year. Do it. I mean, I have preached that endlessly, and that's why I won't rip the Jonathan Taylor draft pick like as much as some will. I, I, I'm not – I okay, I, I I get it. It's the position that has the most attrition in the NFL. It's not a freaking kicker. Yeah. You know, so have at it. Derek Schultz with a question this week. How about that? I did see that. That's, uh, that's my guy, Derek Schultz, usually keeping us updated on the old Midtown happenings. Oh, yeah. Um, around there, so I, I was good to see him hop into the Twitter questions. Another Hoosier with you. How many receivers do you think they'll end up keeping, and who will be the one or two on the cut line? So this is where I'm at with this, Derek. It's um, you have the big four: Hilton, Pittman, Campbell, Pascal. Write those down in Sharpie. Those are definites. So I go to five and six. Let me start here. I lean towards them keeping six. Now, with Roosevelt Knicks in the mix, that's an extra roster spot, assuming he makes the football team. Correct. Which, again, not to get too deep into it, but Marvell Tell and Roland Milligan did play special team snaps for you that are notable. Knicks is known for kind of his special teams ability, even though those are much different body types. So, I'm taking away a tight end. And for now, I'm taking away a running back. I'd probably only keep three running backs. Now, that might change over the course of these next few weeks, but... Basically, what I'm looking at is last year, I want to say the Colts kept four running backs, six wideouts, and four tight ends. So that adds up to 14 non-quarterback, non-offensive linemen on offense. This year, I'm thinking three running backs, one fullback, six wideouts, three tight ends. So I'm a number short than I was last year, and I'll make up for that 
you know, probably on the offensive line, to be honest with you. But um, so that's why I think you have room for six. I think, again, number short at tight end and then number short at running back, and you're only adding a fullback. As far as the last two, if I'm making a 53-man roster tomorrow, this will piss off some people, but I'm keeping Marcus Johnson. I'm keeping Ashton Doolin. I think I can get Reese Fountain and Desmond Patman to my practice squad, and that, that's what I would do. The reason is this. Um, what guys are going to help me win in week one? Mm-hmm. Ashton Doolin has been a great special teams, was a great special teams player for this team last year. Um, you've lost some special teams guys, so I'm going to put him on there. And then as far as Marcus Johnson, he's proven it in a NFL setting to where I think if I exposed him to waivers, someone might nab him. We've gone over Reese Fountain's seven snaps in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, six kneel downs. Yeah. And and a drop touchdown against Kansas City. There's just a level of, and maybe it'll get into like a weird game of who you want to protect on your 53 versus who you don't. But, um, and you very well could need Fountain or Patman at some point this season. But I look at it as those four guys for two spots, and I'm going to keep the guys that I trust a little bit more. Going back to your your thoughts about Nick, Zach's question is about that exactly. He believes that a versatile fullback like Kyle Juszczyk is what teams might look for to get an edge on offense. While he does think having a fullback, while he does like having a fullback, he feels like 5'11", 250 pounds isn't beating one on a route and tips your hands that we're running similar to what Ebron did in the pass play last year. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, it's a great point, Zach. Terrific question. Um you know, I remember when Grigson signed Stanley Havili in 2013, and maybe because Stanley Havili just, as a part of every <laughs> USC player over the 2000s, just absolutely dominated my Irish. But um, I kind of liked that. I was like, oh, here's this 235-pound fullback who can throw his head in there but can be an inline guy or can go out on a pass route and catch the football. And, you know, homeboy Rosie Nix, I don't have it in front of me, but I want to say I remember when the article – that I wrote on him back in the spring, I think he averages a catch every fifth game. So, you know, defensive coordinators aren't losing sleep over Roosevelt Knicks um, in terms of a pass catcher. So basically, I, I do think what Zach is throwing out there as a fullback, that to me is more intriguing. I like, that's why I like Trey, Trey Burton. I think Trey Burton is a more versatile tight end than Eric Ebron was. Is Ebron a better pass catcher? And is Ebron 6'5 and 250? Yes. Is Trey Burton different at 6'2 and 235? Certainly. But I like Trey Burton because when he's in my huddle, I'm not tipping my hand as much as I was with Eric Ebron or I am with Roosevelt Knicks. So I, I like versatility more. But um, but that's why I'm also curious about uh about Knicks, just to see exactly what he does, you know. Reich says, what, 10 to 15% of the snaps? And I don't know. Does he catch? Does he, does he have a resurgence? I mean, Ryan Hewitt, who this football team had, who was a tight end and was an H-back for them in 2018, he was targeted once, I think, all year, maybe twice. Now, he did score a touchdown. So, you know, I'm sure in week eight, when Roosevelt Nix hasn't caught a ball all year, he'll, you know, score on fourth and one with a catch in the flat like Dan Klecko, and people will, <laughs> you know, people will go crazy. But, um, if I'm going to pick a body type of fullback, while I love the headbangers, I love them, I probably like versatility a little bit more. And and I hate saying that because my favorite athlete every year is a Navy's fullback. 
I don't care oh, who it yeah. is, but whoever is the fullback in Navy, you're my favorite player, and you you rush for 50 yards in the first quarter against Notre Dame, and I still have a smile on my face because, God bless it, that's awesome to see. And speaking to to Zach's point about tipping the hand, I was trying to find it and I couldn't, but I believe Roosevelt Nix even tweeted during this offseason, everyone who runs behind me has made the Pro Bowl. Like, yeah. he knows oh, that yeah. he's the blocking fullback. Oh, yeah, he knows. Full- I mean, this dude played defensive tackle in college. Yeah. I mean, he had dropped some weight coming from Kent State. So, uh, I mean, Roosevelt Nix is, uh, I mean, he's, he's your uh, he's your headbanger. Question from Lawrence this week. What do you believe the number would be for the Colts to retain Marlon Mack? And do you believe it would be worth it to keep him and Taylor together for a few more years? Lawrence, I'm going to say this a lot, and I probably have said this a lot already, whenever we get questions about Mack and Hooker. And I think what we have to remember here, and I, I do this too often, and I know fans do this too often because I do it when I'm you know, so, so invested in, in, into specific teams. Free agency is a two-way street. So does Marlon Mack want to come back? Yeah. Great offensive line. Great offensive line. But I only get the chance to cash in once as a running back. And if I'm not going to be the lead back here, that might influence my decision. Um, so that's the first thing to keep in mind. Now, this is a tough question specifically because what will the cap implications look like? Are you handing another $25 million to Phillip Rivers? Um, you know, obviously, what does extensions look like for Leonard? What is an ex- you know, is Braden Smith going to get a contract extension next offseason? So, I, five to six million, that's a number I would throw around. And I would have interest in bringing him back. Mm-hmm. But I'd really have to look at the books and say, does an extra five million mean more for a corner? For a wide out um, for a tight end as Jack Doyle and Trey Burton reach the age of 30 and get north of that. You know, those are the questions I'd have to be very honest. But every time I see questions like this, Lawrence, I'm thinking to myself, you know, if Jonathan Taylor goes down, you, you're in scramble. It's such a tough dilemma because I think running backs, in a way, I understand why they are devalued. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Williams comes off the bench and has 100-yard games back-to-back last year. I mean, what? Right. You know? But then I look at the Colts record without Marlon Mack, and I'm like, holy shit. I mean, he matters. So it's tough. I would say right around 5 or $6 million would would have me interested. All right, Michael has one that's probably going to make you cringe here for a second. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Lining up for a game-winning 45-yard field goal. Who 45? Would you, 45 yards. Okay. Who would you rather have as your kicker? Adam Vinatieri of last season or 2005 Mike Vanderjack? Oh, my God. So I'm getting Vanderjack 2005. Yes. Or Vinatieri. Well, I guess technically he says 2020 Adam Vinatieri, so does that mean? So he's healthy? This Yeah. Um... I'm going Vanderjack. I mean, Vanderjack kicked the ball really well. Dot, dot, dot. Until. Until. Until Joey Molinaro's Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, stuck the knife, took the knife out of Nick Harper's cabinet and just. Oh. (laughs) You might be able to miss that kick, but you can't miss that kick and piss off the quarterback. (laughs) No, no, no. Yeah. And and, I mean, obviously an epic clip from Peyton at the, at the Pro Bowl. Um. And that was the shank of all shanks. 
I mean, Vinny had a couple last year, though, that were like, oh, my gosh, is that my mom teeing right. off on the driving range? Like, you know, it's just um, – I mean, wasn't Vanderjack like the most accurate NFL kicker at one point? Probably. I don't know the, that answer, but – Because all you remember is yes. Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, yeah, Vanderjack, 2005. I'm sorry. Yeah, maybe we'll just go for it. <laughs> uh, insane Fisherman. Do you really think they'll play this season? If so, how many games before it is shut down? Sure. Yeah. You know. Okay. I I I'm optimistic, and I'm optimistic with with some factual stuff to back it up. Okay. There's no bubble. We we we've talked about that. It's impossible to do a bubble. I'll argue that with anybody. So right now we're a week into it. I think the numbers I've seen so far is I believe three and a half percent have tested positive around the NFL. Okay. That number is a far cry from what our current national average is, certainly here in our own state and in our own county. And to me, Chris, this was the week I was most worried about. The first week back. Correct. All these guys have been in New York and L.A. and probably not so much New York. L.A. and Miami and Atlanta and Dallas and Houston, like wherever they train in the Mm offseason, hotspots, big cities. And now they've come back to their respective NFL homes and – you know, 3.5% of players have tested positive. Like, that's pretty good. Because now we're starting to create more of a bubble than they were in. Correct. And we're starting to take much more of the precautions. And I, I when I say we, I mean the entire NFL. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I have some faith. You can call me crazy and maybe I'll get, you know, burned by it. But the testing to me has been very aggressive. Um, it might be too accurate or, you know, too over the top in terms of what we saw with Matthew Stafford, but that's for another day. You'd rather have that than the other. So, you know, you know, people are like, well, and I've said this, you know, they're slobbering on each other during plays and whatnot. What you're doing though, by this is this, the NBA, they are sweating on each other, but where you have the advantages, these guys just tested negative. So they can sweat on each other. They're not. They're just. They're just sweating yeah. on each other, which is gross and whatever. It's <laughs> sports, and we all love it. And you know, we shower after games. And the NFL, yes, they're going to slobber and sweat on each other, but seemingly they will have just tested negative. Yeah. So that like that's the reason why they will have been able to do that, if that makes sense. So I think the NFL is learning. Um, I said it last week, what's happening to the Marlins and happened to the Marlins and what's happened to Lou Williams. Like that's the best thing for the NFL. It's these just extreme wake up calls that have been drilled into these players' minds and they know if they screw up, it's going to impact the entire league. So, I mean, the odds are probably not great on the season finishing and I'm not saying go to Vegas, but I am somewhat optimistic. They don't travel anywhere near as much as major league baseball. Like that's a point I feel like we got to keep on stressing. Of these guys are still in their own cities, and until we see an outbreak of ten guys on a team, you know, I think the NFL is going to keep on going. So, yeah, I think I think they will play a season. Uh, I don't know how many games you're going to get in. Maybe it's no fans at all, but I think as long as we're not to like ten, fifteen people on a roster, or you're eliminating an entire position group. I think we're going to give it a go, man. Jordan wants to know, do you think the Colts need to make some sort of move for another receiver because he's still worried about Hilton and our receiver depth 
and the fact that they are not a lot of there are a lot of unproven guys in his opinion at the top of the depth chart. This is the question I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Jordan. You know, it might be one of the more unproven position groups on the roster. Seriously. I mean, your number two and three guys on your proverbial depth chart have played seven games in the NFL combined. You know? So, uh, it, it's a fair question. You know, and, and then you look at the free agent, you know, wideout list, Chris, and it's like, Chester Rogers, uh, Ryan Grant. I saw the Jets just released Quincy Anunua. Like, where is he at? Jordan Matthews always seems to be a free agent in my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know. Jermaine Curse. you know, it's like there are names, but until there's like an injury and until the Colts feel like those guys aren't able to prove themselves, I think they're going to roll with what they got. Matt wants to know if you've heard of what kind of access you're going to get during training camp or – have there been any specifics other than Ballard assuring that he's going to take care of you guys? Yeah, yeah, Matt. Um, basically, what it is is this. Monday, we had Leonard and Costanzo on Zoom calls. Today, we had Reich and Rivers. Friday, we'll have Nelson and somebody, maybe Buckner. Um, so that's how it is right now. You get player availability three days a week. You get the head coach one day a week. I believe that will be the same for next week. And then once you get into full pad of practices, the coach will be available on a much more frequent basis, I guess, three out of four days, something like that. And then we we get to go to practice. You know, I think I've touched on this. Maybe I haven't. There's like eight or nine of us, I think, in the media that um, is able to watch every practice mask on from an end zone for outdoor practices. I think when they go indoors, they might just open up the garages and we kind of like the garage doors on mm-hmm. the side of the building and we watch like from that area. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, rock and mask the whole time and we're there. I don't think we have to be tested. I know there was some thought of that questions of that. Uh, and the media availability will continue to be zoom. You know, it's not like we're going to be, you know, even six feet away from Frank Reich, ask him questions. I yeah. think it'll be like, no, you go off-site, you go home, okay. you go to wherever, and that'll be Zoom. But um, we will be able to watch training camp practices. I know there are some restrictions on what we can report on at those practices, so we'll see how that goes. But, um, yeah, that's how the rest of the month looks like. The question from Raj this week is going to be tailored a little bit based on the information that we learned this afternoon from Frank Reich, but his question is, are there any realistic options to bolster our secondary? With Blackman hurt and questionable for the season, are Willis, Hooker, and Odom enough for both safety positions? He goes on to add, if Rhodes doesn't pull a rabbit out of the hat, is it realistic to have Tell and Rock on the outside corners? You know, Raj obviously sent this in before today's news, but like this lays it out, Chris. You know, like this was a question, a concern before today, and now you're eliminating Tell, and you're eliminating that next name you would have mentioned at safety with Julian Blackman, you know, getting back from that ACL. Because uh, you got to think about sub-packages. You know, right now, if you're going to go play tomorrow, your dime package to me, six defensive backs, Kenny Moore, Xavier Rhodes, Rocky Seen, mm-hmm. and then... Kari Willis, Malik Hooker, and George Odom. Okay. So, but then, like, who's the next guy up? Yeah. That's where you're getting into TJ Carey, Isaiah Rogers. You know, your fourth safety right now healthy would probably be, like, Donald Rutledge, who's an undrafted free agent. Like, I mean, that that's what you're getting into right now. So, 
like I said earlier, Rodgers and Carey benefit big time. Uh, we've talked about Carey on prior podcasts. He started a whole lot in the NFL. He really struggled in coverage last year. The Cleveland Browns decided to cut him. So, I mean, okay. Um, but there's versatility. Um, there's I think there's a Mike Mitchell element to him, like from a leadership standpoint. But I guess speaking of Mitchell, that's what you get into. You know, like Mitchell wanted to wait to find an opportunity a couple of years ago. I think that's what these guys on the open market will want. Like, I'm not just going to go to camp to try and be the fourth safety. That's for the undrafted guys to try and figure out. And who knows, you know, Shaq Taylor at this point last year was a guy we never even talked about. Yep. Week five, he's playing big time snaps against the Chiefs. So do we have some of those guys? I know there's several, um, Travis Reed and, um, they cut the artist Picasso, something or other. Um, Jackson Porter is a corner that's on the COVID list right now. When he comes off that, you know, like those are some of the names that's like, okay, these guys now become not just, you know, double numbers on your, on your roster sheet. Um, so yeah, Raj, we'll, we'll, we'll see how all that plays out. Going to change the pace here a little bit with the question from Matt. Switching over to baseball slightly. The Reds wise up and decide to rebuild their bullpen. Which current Colt are you picking to be the closer? They need to do that. QB's excluded. Can't think of anything too football-related right now. Enjoying the Pacers dominating the bubble, and the Reds are letting him down late in games per usual. How about the freaking pay? How about TJ Warren? I mean, it's one of the greatest three-game stretches I've seen in, in really any sport. And I don't think that's hyperbole at all. I mean, I think he tied, I believe he tied Jermaine O'Neal, yep. right? Mm-hmm. For the most points in a three-game stretch in franchise history. Like, people were supposed to come to the bubble and be rusty. <laughs> TJ Warren's come to the bubble and said, F that rust, I'm I'm ascending. He as, loves it, yeah. A, a, as a player. So, unbelievable for TJ Warren right now. And certainly looking forward to next week when it's... You know, or even Saturday, Lakers mm-hmm. play the Rockets next week. Play the Heat twice. The well, Heat still look his really next game's against the Suns, who traded him for oh, cash yeah. considerations. You so. know full well he's got that one circled on it. So, um, okay, corner or excuse me, closer. Yes, quarterbacks excluded. Man, that's a good one. You know, maybe this is like sixth grade me talking here, but I was always just the most intimidated by just big freaking dudes on the mound. I stopped playing baseball in sixth grade. That's when I started playing golf more. And um, I'll never forget being hit by Eddie Hamilton, who hit puberty just earlier than all of us, <laughs> and just crying like a freaking baby. Um, so, I mean, you throw Braden Smith on the mound, 6'5", 300, big old polar bear out there. Grover Stewart looking like CC Sabathia out there. Yeah, like those are the guys that I'm kind of like could they be a dominant, you know, throwing 101 coming out of the pen. So uh so yeah, I, but one of those two names. Okay. Th- throw them in there. Got it, and the Reds need it, man. Yeah, they do. Greetings from Costa Rica this week as Blopa has a question for the podcast. Blopa, I love it. I was talking to my father-in-law about Costa Rica the other day. So yeah, it's a great, great, uh, great place to fish. You gonna get down there? No, 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 no. I can't <laughs> say I'm gonna get down there anytime soon. But yeah, he was telling me how he took a fishing trip down there. That's sweet. Um, so there are some free agents that makes him think these guys make a lot of sense to the team, and he's the missing piece. No. Um, you know, I would say the one that comes to mind is probably the biggest name out there, and that's Jadavian Clowney. Mm-hmm. Um. 
But, you know, you look at the free agent list right now, and it's just kind of like, are they just guys, you know? Are they, are they just kind of jags, just a guy, you know? They're just kind of, eh, we'll see what happens. And um, So, yeah, I think it'll be something that, you know, Clowney's probably the biggest name, but really no one else. I mean, I, I've said it for quite a while. Offensive line depth is still the forefront of my mind, but, you know. That would be really it, to be honest with okay. you. It's just the guys you pick up in August are probably on the street for a reason. This year, a little bit different because the medicals, but uh, that that would be easily the biggest name. Do you see an internal bubble restriction implementing by the team to reduce outbreak an outbreak chance? Obviously, teams that have as close to a hundred percent of their roster are at a huge advantage. That is from Matt. You know, internally, I think contact tracers, you know, Frank Reich showed us the chip. Yeah, those that, look cool. Yeah, that he wears and all these guys wear that basically you get within six feet of somebody and it beeps. Um, that's smart. That seems wise to me. One-way traffic in hallways, you know, meeting rooms are spaced out. What I say? All the meals are to go. I think that was something yep. that I mentioned last week. So I think those are, like, the big things. Um from a, again internal bubble, I, I still go back to I don't know why these guys aren't in hotels. That that would make a whole lot of sense to me, um, but yeah, that's really the only kind of negative that I look on the NFL. That's a bit of a head scratcher. You're in hotels normally for training camp. Why aren't you in them right now? But uh, I think that they're taking a lot of good steps. Like this is very difficult to pull off. Very difficult yep. to pull off. But I see like evidence of like okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Now, everybody, just behave. And if you behave, hopefully you can pull it off. I know great behavior is not going to, you know, who knows? If you're, you know, if your nanny has it and the kids get it and then boom, boom, you know, I don't, yes, all those things can happen. But um, let's, I, I think there's reason to have optimism. And I, I'm not just, I'm not a person that just, blows fluff just to blow it. I, I, I actually somewhat believe in this. Colin has a quarterback question this week. He says, we've learned that Brissett isn't the answer, and we're going to learn that if, if Rivers can be a two-year answer. As we learn, Colts likely win enough to take them out of the top 15 picks. So what is most likely? The Colts' next quarterback comes from the draft, the Colts' next quarterback comes from free agency, or the Colts' next quarterback is Jacob Eason? Yeah, really good question. Um, I, I still think it's the draft, and obviously by that, you're going to have to mortgage a good amount of resources to find that quarterback. I don't think you stand pad at 26 or wherever the Colts might draft in 2020, excuse me, 2021, and hope that guy falls to you. Um, aggression, that'll be the name of the game. You know, Houston did it with Watson, Kansas City did it with one Patrick Mahomes. Move up, folks. You know, it's just... I think back to that crazy story that Jordan Spieth and Ryan Palmer, two golfers, were in the Saints draft room and said the Saints were getting ready to take Mahomes, and all of a sudden Kansas City comes flying up to take him, and you know the Saints take Marshawn Lattimore, turned out to be a very good player, but still, uh, I mean that's just craziness of the draft. But I, I, I think you got to go find it. I think that's where you do it. I think I've talked about building around the rookie contract. Yep, I think that's very important for the quarterback position as well. That. That leaves me the best-case scenario for long-term sustainable success is drafting a guy early. Does it 
hurt you and you know limit the flexibility you have in maybe the 2022 draft and potentially the 2023 draft? Sure. But that dude touches the football every single play. It means that much. If it's Justin Fields, if it's Trey Lance, if it's you know whoever, Trevor Lawrence, it's going to take a lot to move up, but I think you got to do it. And I think there's a willingness. I think Ursa gets that. I think Ballard gets that. And if their roster is as stable and in place as it is at other spots, pull off the deal that will uh, that will shake up your franchise. A question from Josh that will have us switching paces a little bit as well, but a fun one. If the Pacers were to suddenly all contract COVID, that part's not fun, and could only replace the roster with current Colts, who would be the starting five and at what positions? Jeez, Josh. Man. Um, well, this is a, a popular – I always tell people the most popular debates you get in NFL locker rooms is people debating about who was the best basketball player in high school and who's better, LeBron or Jordan. So um, I've heard a lot of chatter about this, and I'm going with uh, the point guard I think would just be an unbelievable defender full court, and that's Kenny Moore. <laughs> yep. Okay. My shooting guard is T.Y. We're a little small in the backcourt, but I need some offense. And from what I hear, T.Y.'s got a good stroke. Um, this guy was rumored to have some D1 offers in Western PA coming out, and he, he'll be my, 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 my three-man. That's Malik Hooker. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in, in a, any NFL locker room, you're probably going to be a little undersized in the front court, which is fine. Look what small ball's doing for the Pacers. It's working on the offensive end. I, I I don't know if this guy can shoot, but I know he's going to give me energy, and I know he's going to give me a lot of rebounds, and that's Darius Leonard. Okay. And he's going to be my four. We're going to be undersized, but Leonard plays bigger than that frame. And my five is obvious, the, the guy that played Division One basketball and you know was on an NCAA tournament team, and that's Mo Alley-Cox. Played a VC. Hell, Moali Cox is better than TJ Leaf right now. I'd rather have Moali Cox than TJ Leaf. <laughs> TJ Leaf came in an open three. You're not wrong at all. And Which is sad. Way better hair, too. I mean, yeah. Come on. Yeah. Although, I don't know what TJ's <laughs> trying to that that hair. But yeah, that, that would be my five. You know, again, we're a little small, but we're, we're going to run. Have you seen the high school highlights of Big Q playing? I know. I know. That was tempting. That was, but like, am I going to put Nelson at the four? I guess I can if put you, him at the five and be undersized, but that's a little bit. I mean, I, I'm thinking with Leonard, I can switch a lot on the defensive end of the floor. Okay, okay. You know, I just Nelson would be my goon off the bench. I need five fouls, and I need. Yeah, I I I, I kind of forgot about that. Video. That's true, though. I guess yeah. I gotta I gotta put it in the context of the question. This isn't a pickup game. This is we're replacing the Pacers. So yeah, what five wants, can get up and down the court against an NBA team? Yeah, he wants a starting five. All right, awesome. Question from Joseph this week. If we have another injury-riddled season, do you think the medical staff and the strength and conditioning program should be overhauled? And how much of the strength and conditioning is controlled or monitored by the team versus the players being on their own? Yeah, it's a great question, Joseph. You know, Certainly the players are outside of the building for so much of the offseason. Um, honestly, I think you'll just have a COVID excuse this year with injuries. And I think it'd be very tough to like quantify. Uh, well, that's the exact reason why we have five hamstring injuries, soft tissue stuff. I think Chris Boward's a firm believer in the strength conditioning program, how it's been revamped, the nutritional staff. It's also been revamped. And I've said it before, the only part of the three kind of pronged approach to this 
that's still in place is the medical staff. And clearly, their head trainer, Dave Hammer, is now their infectious yep. whatever control officer. So he obviously means a lot to Chris Ballard. Um, so I don't think we'll see any massive changes. Does this need to be looked into? 130%, and I believe they've looked into it. I just... I'm sorry I don't have, like, great answers on this. This is a very difficult thing for me to, like, pinpoint. But if you continually rank in the bottom five or ten in the NFL and games missed, holy hell, how do you, I mean, you know, how do you not make a change? And Joseph did have a question on the last pod. He said, go dogs," and wanted us to know, yes, that was, in fact, for Georgia. Georgia, go dogs. D-A-W-G-S there. Joseph knows all about Eason. Oh, yeah, he does. Yeah, good good call there. God, Georgia, man, Notre Dame. We should have won that game last year. <laughs> IU fan in Texas. Will any of the bottom 10 of the 53-man roster have a breakout season? And if so, who do you predict having that type of season? Might suggest Pascal had that last year. Yeah, that's fair. Pascal for sure. Uh, boy, this is tough. I mean, this is like, you know, when people want me to predict. Although I will say, and I hope some of you made money off that, I did say draft Michael Pittman, take that in FanDuel, and he was the 34th overall pick. This is, I mean, it's tough. You know, I, I thought about Marvell Tell before today. Um, it will take an injury for this to happen. Like Pascal, why was he up there? Well, Funches separates his collarbone, and Deion Kane doesn't work out, and Hilton gets banged up. Like, it's going to take an injury. So, predicting injuries is tough. Um, I I come back to, like, one of those defensive ends. There's so many of them. Muhammad, Banigou, Ture, Lewis, somebody, you know. Um, And I really would have liked to have said Marvel's Hell before today. Yeah. Cody has a question regarding the preseason being gone. The normal hype around potential future quarterbacks like Eason won't get as much opportunity to blossom. Oh, it's such a blow. When do you think we see Eason throw a football for the first time in a game and it's over and under? He said at 34 and a half. God, I love these questions. I love them. Um, we're going to do a virtual beers with Bowen here in about a month. We're going to do a slide of over-unders because I just love them so much. Uh, so, Cody, thank you for that. Having said that, 34 and a half. I am betting the mortgage on the under. I mean, 34 and a half, he's given me two years and two games. Yes. Of foot, I mean, he's going to be the backup next year, wouldn't you think? Yeah. I mean, unless you do something crazy and draft a quarterback early in round one. or um, And even then, he might be your backup. Rivers might retire, and that first-round pick might be your starter. And then Eason could be your... Could be your backup. I mean, we are one COVID test positive for Jacoby Bursett or Phillip Rivers away from Jacob Eason being one play away from throwing a pass. True. So, yeah, 34 and a half games is a lot. That'd be a long bet to wait on. Um, it's about as long as the bet that I've made. I, I had my buddies, and I, I, I take full responsibility for this. I said over and under the Wizards would win one and a half games in the bubble. And they can't beat the the the, the bleeping mad ants. They couldn't even beat Brooklyn. Brooklyn's the one team we're supposed to beat, although yeah. the Bucks didn't beat. I'm praying for team. The bubble's weird. Teams will rest. I believe in the Wizards, even though their roster is <laughs> LOL. TJ Leaf wants minutes. He should go I can Wizards. tell you're still holding out hope for that. But. Yeah, I am. I got five games. I, got, I think I got one starting here in, in, in a few minutes. Uh, hey, you stand by your losses. You stand by your wins. You got to be, gotta be confident. Uh, yes, under. It's one pass. 
Right. You you think over? No, no, I'm agreeing okay. with you on the under. Right. I'm all agreeing right. with you. From Casey, would you rather have prime Devin Funches, which isn't saying much, or rookie Michael Pittman Jr.? I mean, shit, you just took the words right out of my mouth. Was there ever a prime Devin Funches? Didn't he have like nine touchdowns the one year with Cam? But it's still, yeah. I think it was nine. It was something I want to like say that. he had like one year over 500 yards, 550 yeah. yards, like something like that. So, yeah, I mean, Pittman. Yeah. I mean, trust the development, believe in it. Um, yeah, uh, no questions asked. Scott wants to know, in a one-season scenario, who is the one player in the NFL, non-quarterback, who you would take to give your team the best chance at winning a Super Bowl? Ooh, Scotty Schmelzer. This is good. This is a good one. Um, This season, non-QB? Non-quarterback, one player. Okay, two come to mind immediately. Okay. One plays corner, one's a defensive tackle. Any guesses? So I'm guessing you're going to go Donald in yeah. a corner. Um, Blanken. I'm trying to think the best corner in the league. Right yeah, now. I mean, he's emerged, and that would be Stephon Gilmore. I think he's uh, yeah. the best corner in yeah, football. Yeah. My issue with that is, like, teams can decide not to throw against that corner. So, like, Aaron Donald, he's, he lines up, you know, 13 inches away from the ball every play. You can't, you can't get away from him that much. No. So I'm probably going to Donald. I... I don't. Donald is so dominant at his position. I don't think there's an edge rusher that's that dominant right now in the NFL like he is, and I don't think there's a wideout. Those would be the two other spots that I'd look to and say, "Damn, if that player was, you know, if you had an Aaron Donald equivalent at wideout or at defensive end, I'd probably go with them." But the rise of interior pressure, the you know, yeah, Donald. Yeah, and he's one of those guys. There's certain NFL players that you look at, and they're all physical freaks to their in their own right. He's got no punch. Like he oh, is just dude. ripped. Just... Like he should not be that that athletic for his size. Right. I mean, those are yeah. I mean, my wife dreams that I look like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's just uh, it's 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 incredible. Logan wants to know: Would you rather have to? Would you rather have to try and tackle Jonathan Taylor, or let Bob Sanders tackle you? Oh my. Well, Bob Sanders is tackling me, Chris. I'm in a body cast until Halloween. I mean, it's it's not pretty. And I mean, I've got Bob by what five inches, at least five, seven inches. What's he? Five eight. I'm six three. Um, and we probably weigh somewhat close to the same. He probably has me by about five or ten pounds. But she, yeah, Bob Sanders gets me in a uh, Oklahoma drill, and yeah, I mean, I'm in the body cast. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. I'm not coming out of it. Rosie might have. Rosie might be talking by the time I come out of it. Uh, so, yeah, Jonathan Taylor, for sure. Because, you know what, it, it, I've got a long wingspan. I can dive and hope I catch a shoestring. Well, and here's the thing that I went to. Jonathan Taylor could could trip over the turf. Would you rather have to try and tackle? I can try and tackle Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. I could whiff. like For sure. But Bob Sanders isn't whiffing on me. No, he's not. And he's going to make you, yeah, pay for it. So, yeah, I mean, this is a no-brainer for me. I, I'm going to attempt to tackle Jonathan Taylor, which also sounds laugh out loud. Kevin, Daryl hopes all that you and the family are all safe and doing well. Oh, thank you, Daryl. Appreciate that. Same to you. But does have a question. Will there be any healthy surprise cuts this year? I don't think so. You know, I think it's guys you trust again. And it's like, okay, Danico Autry save some money. Danico Autry could be your starter. Like, depth is at such a premium. I don't think you get finicky with, like, watch this. We're going to save a quick dollar. <laughs> you know, I, I just don't think it's like that. 
Um, and you can't afford to this year. No, I exactly. That, that's what I'm getting at. Like, you can't. You're going to rely on everybody. So I don't think you're cutting guys and being like, yeah, you know, we'll send a message here. Question from Clayton this week. The Eason pick intrigues him. If it works out, Ballard looks like a genius for getting the quarterback with the best arm talent in the draft in the fourth round. If it doesn't work, it's only a fourth rounder. Is this Ballard's guy? I just don't see him making a splash with a quarterback in the draft. See, Clayton, that's where I disagree. Um, that, that, That last part. Now, I agree with your first part. The pick should intrigue you. It makes total sense to me. Take a flyer. Trust your coaching staff. Like, I mean, that is, yeah. Trust your coaching staff with a quarterback that has traits that you can't teach. So I'm a fan of it, for sure. Uh, we talked about it. We did a whole podcast on the Jacob Eason film breakdown of, of what needs to be taught and what needs to grow in his game. So I'm a fan of it, but I, I think Ballard knows it. I mean, he was a part of that Kansas City room for a long time before they made that trade for Ballard or uh, for Mahomes. So I actually think he would. I, I don't think this is the definite franchise quarterback. No, no, nope. Tito slash DJ. Oh, we had a couple questions on 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 this one, so I, I I just combined them for you. Okay, we have heard that Jacoby will be used for five to seven snaps per game. His assumption is it'll it'll be plays between the five yard line and the goal line with his athleticism and willingness to give up his body. He could be more of a threat. Do you think this could be a possibility, or is Rivers too essential in that part of the red zone? Again, this is a fascinating question. I'm so curious to see what it looks like. That last part stands out to me. River is essential in the red zone. I, I think he is. Um, you know, it's a compact area. It's reading the defense. It's shorter windows. It's quicker decision-making. It's all of those things. Now, in terms of QB sneak stuff, Chris, I think that's where Brissett comes into play. I, I, I do. I just don't, I don't know how much of it's like an actual read option like shotgun. Rivers in, or Brissett in space, like he's gonna mm-hmm. scramble. He's gonna make him make a guy miss in space. I don't think it's that. I just think it's six four two thirty. Put your head down and get a yard. I mean, Jacoby's been great at QB sneaks. I don't think Rivers is a QB sneak guy. Um, I have no freaking idea <laughs> to be honest. What 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 it's gonna look like? But that's my guess. This next question from Lucas has also been altered since the uh, press conference this afternoon, but the original question was, Sky Moore is the only Colt so far to opt out of the NFL season. Will there be more potentially, and how important will depth be in 2020 with COVID-19 around not just for the Colts, but for all 32 NFL teams? Well, Lucas, the first person I thought of, and again, let me preface by saying it is impossible to predict what these guys have family-wise. I don't know their family history. I don't know if mom has diabetes or, you know, the the child's had respiratory issues. You know, I, I just don't. Like, we don't. Philip Rivers has nine kids. I don't go to the pediatrician office and see the assembly line from 9 a.m. to noon with the Rivers kids going in there. Like, I don't. Um, the first name I thought of when all this started to happen was Anthony Costanza. That was the first name. He's thought about retirement. He's 30-something years old. He's made a lot of money in the league. Um, and so I asked him on Monday. That was a question I asked him. I'm like, AC, you thought about it earlier this year. Did you think about it again? And he was very candid and very honest and said he took a hard, hard look at opting out. Um, 
He mentioned that when he had his physical over the weekend, that was the most he's been around people in five months. I heard that, yeah. You know, this is this is a NFL football player that is not acting like he's invincible by any means. I, I like to think I've been pretty careful with this. I haven't been that careful. I mean, like that is, cr- I mean, that's commendable. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I think we need to think about here. It's like there's a lot of different backgrounds in an NFL locker room. There's a lot of different stories, a lot of different paths. These guys are all going to think very differently. Phillip Rivers came on the Zoom call today. He's like, oh, yeah, I, I never thought about opting out. Like, everyone's wired differently. Everyone thinks about this differently. Um, so, Lucas, again, it's impossible for me to predict. We're under 24 hours. Deadline spur action. Frank Rice, optimistic no one else will opt out. Who? Wh- what happens in two weeks? You know, close family member. Test positive, and they're on the ventilator, something like that. Yep. How does that impact some of these players as well? So this is a storyline that we'll have to deal with all year long. Andrew wants to know who is third on the team in receiving yards and who catches more touchdowns, Doyle or Burton? I'll go with Doyle. Close, close. But, yeah, I think he's just on the field more in the red zone, although I think Trey Burton will play a lot. Okay, third on the team receiving yards, Hilton's first. I'll go with Campbell second. Doyle or Pittman for third. Okay. I want to say Pittman, but, like, Jack Doyle was just there every freaking game. You know, it's death by a thousand paper cuts. Oh, Jack Doyle had four for 47. Yeah, you do that 16 games in a row, it adds up. It does. You're right. I'll go with Pittman, but I don't feel great about that. From Ingrieve, Kevin, do you agree with this statement? T.Y. is injury-prone. These last two years, he's missed six games and was a decoy for a couple of the other games, too. It always seems like he's battling through something. Okay, this is my um, this is my stance on Hilton, okay? And obviously we saw on the non-football injury list with a hamstring injury. This is in regards to that question. I look at the Hilton injury-prone um, association like I look at the Adam Vinatieri situation from last year. We can say, and I did say, and I will continue to say, Adam Vinatieri is a first bout Hall of Famer. I can also say it's time for Adam Vinatieri to stop kicking for the Indianapolis Colts. I can look at T.Y. Hilton and say he has been unbelievably durable in his NFL career until about two years ago. And now it's been a lot of days on the injury list a lot of mispractice, a lot of lower body stuff. And T.Y. Hilton has missed eight games in the last two years. That's 25% of the games played in those two years. If it were any other player on the roster, you would raise a somewhat of a red flag on that. And we're talking about a 5'9", 5'10", wideout whose game is predicated on speed. So what I'm getting at is this. He has not been injury prone. He was, again, more than durable early in his career. But this is life in the NFL, folks. You reach 28, you reach 29, one injury flares up. You push that injury a little bit quicker than maybe you should, and now another injury flares up, and you're trying to play through that. And he's had four separate, four separate lower body injuries in the last two years. It's tough. So I think it is very fair to have a question have a concern. It's why he's on the prove-it list. All of those things in my mind. 
but I'm not going to sit here and label him as injury-prone throughout his career. Like, no, that's not true. At, at one point, he missed, like, one game in, like, a 65-game stretch. And, hell, even when he had the ankle injury a few years ago, he still was leading the league in receiving. Uh, but it gets back to the point of, can you play? Can you be effective? He's now 30 years old, and the injuries, you can't ignore them. So when I saw this, I'm like, okay, you know, it doesn't sound like it's very, um, you know, it doesn't sound like it's the most, it's not like he's just ripped his hamstring off and he's out till November, but his name matters more than most in this roster. Yes, it does. That injury matters to him more than other players because he is a wideout that runs 4-3, so I'm going to take note of this, and, I, and I'm not going to overlook it. From Colts Chatter. They love the podcast. Appreciate that. If Rivers wins a Super Bowl for the Colts, is he automatically the second most loved quarterback in Indy, or would it take two? Oh, no. Just one, baby. Just one. I mean, how greedy do you want to get? <laughs> you know, Andrew Luck, and, and, and I'll be the first, and I've said this before, I think Andrew Luck's a super nice guy, and um, there's a lot to like about Andrew Luck. But, you know. Okay, a conference championship appearance in a game you lost forty-five to seven. Like you're not. I assume he's referencing that as like Rivers would still be behind Luck. Is Luck the second most beloved quarterback in Indy history, or is it? I don't know. Is it Harbaugh? Yeah. I mean, Harbaugh was a it was a play away. So, uh, yeah. If you win a Super Bowl, I'm sorry that 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 trumps everything. I mean, everything. Luck had a really nice run here. Really nice run here. Cool story. His O line sucked. I mean, like. It was very impressive what he did, but if you win a Super Bowl, I mean, Trent Dilfer's beloved in Baltimore. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like. Yeah. And, you know, the early reports, Colts say Phil looks really accurate, gets the footwork down, and it's game over. So we'll see if that translates to when it gets real. I got a quick side note here that's going to probably make me sound stupid, and I don't know if it's because of COVID, if it's because of the amount of questions we get, if it's because of the industry we're in. Yeah. I feel like Andrew Luck has not been on the Colts for years. Like, the fact that it's been a year to me, it kind of caught me off guard a couple of days ago just thinking, oh, wow, that was only a year ago. Yeah, when I tweeted out that Paris Campbell video of practice last week, the one-year uh, look back yeah. of training camp, that was Luck's last practice. So right now, this time last year, we would be into the awkward, Frank, got an update on Andrew. You know, we'd be in that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we're nearing the one-year anniversary of him going out there against the Browns and then doing the whole pregame spiel and then the Bears. Th so, yeah, um, man, in so many ways it feels like 10 years and in so many ways it feels like 10 minutes ago. It's just that sounds like life in 2022. Well, let's get to another guy that I feel like Colts Nation loves based on, again, these questions that we get. Wake spikes, Wake Spike. Hey, KB, will Jordan Wilkins get a second contract, or is he one-and-done running back? Yeah, again, we got a lot of these this week, Chris. He is one of the more beloved Colts in, in social media realms. And I think what they like about him is this. The dude's averaged, like, nearly six yards per carry in his career. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, unbelievable. I'll go back to what I said earlier. He's two years older than Marlon Mack. I think he's already 26. I mean, that's old for a rookie contract coming to an end. Missed two games last year. Having said that, a one-year deal if Marlon Mack walks, sign me up. Yeah. You know, why not? It, is he your running back number two on early downs? Jonathan Taylor being your running back one, Hines on third down? Sure. 
well, well, why, you know, why not? I, I think a one-year deal for him makes a lot of sense. Um, I could also see a one-and-done sort of thing because if your team drafts a running back in the fourth round every year, maybe that, that's what you do. But if Marlon Mack walks running back, um, and Wilkins isn't up either, I should note that. He's a 2018 draft pick, so he's not – he still has another year. Um, so, yeah, if Marlon Mack walks – I'm drafting running back no matter what. Johnny says, damn KB, not good for T.Y. Feels like at his age, once the leg injuries start to occur, it becomes a common occurrence. Quad, calf, now hammy, just not looking good. Yeah, Johnny, and um, shout out to Johnny Witcher, a great human being. But, um, you know, this is something that kind of goes off, obviously, the question that we had just a, a couple of minutes ago. But this is this is where I have just a, hmm, Hmm. Okay, let's see how Hilton gets through this. And it goes back to something we talked about a few podcasts ago is this, Chris. Of, remember when we read off those Andrew Luck stats? Hilton with luck, without luck? Yep. Was it 20-yard difference per game? Yeah. I mean, you extrapolate that over a 16-game season, and that's a huge number. That's where we have the question with Hilton. Jordan's question earlier in the podcast what does our wideout group look like behind Hilton? If Hilton isn't the bona fide one, that puts more stress on Pittman, more stress on Campbell, more stress on Pascal. So that's just why I think we just have to watch all these injuries, especially with a guy that means as much to this football team and unfortunately has you know shown up on the injury list quite a lot over the past few years. He, he has a knack for playing through injuries and somewhat playing well, but last year we didn't see that. Last year, it was no 100-yard games. It was two big drops in Houston. So, was that quarterback? Well, I mean, Jacoby threw great balls, in, you know, when he dropped those two balls in Houston. So, it's just, um, it's fair to have questions. And, like, I feel like at times we get so black or white with these things of, like, he's injury prone. He's not injury prone. No, no, no. We can ask questions, yeah. folks. It's fine to do that. All right, Kev, we've got about 10 more here. Oh, boy, 10 more. Let's do um, – 10 more is a lot. Let's do – because we're over an hour, aren't we? Yeah. Let's do um, – let's do four more. Okay. Stop with um, – who you got here? Scotty, John. we got Logan, Scotty, John. Let, let's Tanner. stop at Tanner. Okay. Okay. We'll ask Tanner, and then we'll call it a day and save the rest for next time. Okay, so from Logan, his question is hopefully a fun one that makes you think every year records are broken by players and teams. What records do the Colts break as a team this year, and what players break what records this season? Love the podcast. Wow. Well, Logan, thank you for that question. That is going to make my mind think. Um, yeah, I mean, every year records are broken by players and teams. It's Boy, I don't – man. I, defensively – they want the takeaway record for the franchise. Um, it's crazy to me. I'm writing an article on this. The Colts haven't finished top 10 in the league in takeaways since 2008. Like, wouldn't you think one of those years you just fall into it? 2009, yeah. you were 14-0 to start the year. You weren't top 10 in takeaways that year. Like maybe one of the 12 Jackson years where yeah. they were playing well. Mike Adams was picking off a bunch of balls. Right. I don't So, yeah, I mean, maybe that. Um, rushing yards would probably be the one I come back. Rushing yards are rushing yards per carry. Last year they were close. Um, 
but I think they were like they were over two thousand, but I think that's still like five hundred yards short of the franchise record for rushing yards. Yards per carry, I, I think it's just a hair over five. I mean, that's a big number. It is. Last year I think they were four point five. So um you know, interception number, maybe you know, if Malik Hooker's healthy, could he get that? I don't yeah, Logan, I those are the ones that stand out to me. Completion percentage, I don't know if Phillip has a great year. I can't see anyone breaking Mathis's sack record, 19 and a half. No. You know, I can't see receiving yards being broken. No one's touching, what is it, Edge or Dickerson's got the franchise record for yard, rushing yards in a season. So, yeah, Logan, I don't have a um, great answer. A wild one this week from Scotty. You're a mad scientist, and you wanted to make the perfect quarterback for the Colts in an accelerated growth chamber for next season. You get to use the DNA of a, of a current and last-generation quarterback. You can use three total DNAs to combine. Who would you pick? His picks are Mahomes, Luck, and Manning. Probably a weird-looking dude, but could play lights out. Also, speaking of evil geniuses, do you think Belichick is encouraging players to sit out the season to tank so he can get his next quarterback. No. No, I, I, we had a couple questions about that. I saw Gary's question about the Patriots. The, the, the Patriots have lost the equivalent of Braden Smith, Darius Leonard, and Kari Willis. Do you think any team is purposely telling players to opt out? Like, how do you do that? Tell them to, like, yeah, don't play football. Don't make don't, uh, that $10 million deal. No, no, no. We don't want you to take that. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that's just... Colts fans and how they think about the Patriots is just wild to me. <laughs> we um, hate them. Yeah, and I get it, but like, holy shit! I mean, that's <laughs> wild. Okay, DNA. I I don't I don't know a hundred percent what he's asking. I'll say this: Give me Michael Vick's legs, give me Patrick Mahomes' arm, and give me Peyton Manning's mind, and I'll go win a lot of football games. Yes, you will. Yeah. Lamar Jackson's legs, maybe I don't know. Vick, I, I just. I think back to the run, Mike Vick, run, right. Mike Vick. Um, highlight in Minnesota. Yeah, I don't, yeah, give me that. And I'll and I'll have a Madden dynasty for years. Speaking of the Minnesota, John's question touches on that a little bit with the running back play. Could Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor's situation be comparable to someone like Chester Taylor and Adrian Peterson? Taylor in 2006 had 300 carries, 1,200 yards, and six touchdowns Yet the Vikings still drafted Peterson seventh the next year, and in Adrian's rookie season, he had he had more carries than Taylor. Yeah, welcome to life as a running back, man. I mean, we saw it even a decade ago. Chester Taylor, talk about a name. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, think about the Colts that year. That's Joseph Adai and Dominique Rhodes. I mean, you saw that, and then you all of a sudden you see Donald Brown a few years later get drafted in the first round. Like, it's just how running backs work, so... Um, I don't think it's going to be that drastic. I think Marlon Mack is kind of like Marlon Mack. I think has earned it a little bit more than Chester Taylor earned it at that point. And to be fair, Adrian Peterson was like generational of generation. Yeah, like that was freak as freak. Um, and then you also have to factor in third down. You know, Taylor and Mack aren't playing on third down. At least you don't expect them to play that much. So I think they're going to just switch off series and kind of switch off uh, just first and second down duties. So. I don't think it's exactly like that, John. I, I don't. I think Marlon Mack has more respect than that. And from Tanner, if you could bring back any player traded or released during the Ballard era, who would that be? Oh wow, um, this is a great one. 
You know, it's um, I mean, I'm trying to think back to like players that Ballard has traded or released that have gone on to do something elsewhere, and there's not a lot of them. You know, I I've stood by my John Simon stance. You yeah, know, he was good enough for the Super Bowl Patriots. He certainly was good enough for the Colts. Um. You know, I still think Deion Kane had more to groom and to try and tap into and to trust your coaching staff, so he would be one. But, like, I mean, they haven't really traded a lot of players away. They haven't really released a lot of, like, you know, unfortunately the Colts haven't really had a roster that's like, we can release good football players. You know, they just they just haven't been there. It's been a lot of retooling of this roster. Maybe you debate some re-signings, not re-signing Pierre Desir we could come back to, yep. not re-signing a Jabal Sheard, something like that. I'd say purely from entertainment, Chris, I think about this, and, and I actually, th- I do think Ballard has made the right moves in what he's done with the draft, but I think back to what happens if the Colts kept the third overall pick in 2018 and not move back. To six overall. Obviously, that was the right move to make. Mm-hmm. And you've gotten a incredible haul with that pick. But if you stay there at three, you know, are you drafting Bradley Chubb? Three overall. Is it a you're at three, you might want to trade up to two and take Saquon. Is it, you know, I don't think you would have taken a quarterback there. I think you still believed in luck at yeah. that point. And then the, the, this past year, what happens if you stayed at 13? Are you taking Jordan Love? You know, that's that's something that that I think about. So purely from a draft entertainment standpoint, I probably think about that more than I think about who they've traded away, which isn't many players at all, slash who they've released. You know, no one's really gone on to do anything. Mm-hmm. Which is, I guess, a good thing. It means you, you've cut fat. Uh, it also means that your roster, and this doesn't fall on Ballard, it's probably more a Grigson thing, that your roster is not doesn't have great quality depth, which is now different. Well, Kev, I do want to get to one more question. All right, who we got? Because it's timely, and it will, will be determined before we get to the next oh, okay. podcast, more than likely. Okay. From Ben, will Tiger make the cut? Ooh, I am glad you threw this in there. Okay, um, so we're taping this at 422 Eastern Time Wednesday. Tiger says his body feels great. Um, I worry. I worry about the marine layer out there. That's not good for his body. A lot of sweaters he's going to have to wear this week. Um, You laugh. This is life of Tiger right now. I know. He's got a bad back, folks. I like the morning-afternoon draw. And for those that don't understand that, he's teeing off early tomorrow morning and then Friday afternoon. I like him having, you know, over 24 hours to get ready for the Friday round versus if he would have been Thursday afternoon into Friday morning. I, yes. He needs time to rest, folks. Um, He's got a decent history at that golf course. He plays public golf course as well. You know, he's a Stanford kid. You know, that area has been good to him. Um, I'll say yes, I but I'm not, like, crazy confident. I'm worried about the weather. I'm worried about a big golf course. Beth Page stands out to me last year in the PGA where he really struggled. But he says his body feels much better than it did last year at Beth Page for that PGA. So um, I'm going to say he makes the cut. Okay. I am. 
I am, but I'm not expecting anything. I mean, obviously, I'm cheering. I'm I'm upset. This is Rosie's first major. With right now, <laughs> Rosie Bowen has never seen Tiger Woods playing a major, and she knows T.J. Warren as being the best player in the NBA. That's what she it's knows a, right now. It's a yeah. You know, um, welcome to a new generation. Yeah, talk about life in 2020. So yeah, Ben Tiger will make the cut. Come on. Okay. Let's see if we're wearing red on Sunday. Uh, we'll get to those other questions next week. He's Chris Presley. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week. Uh, I don't know if Frank Reich's going to stick to these Wednesdays. Maybe we'll come back next Wednesday. Okay. Um, so, yeah, hopefully no other crazy news. But uh, enjoy the podcast. Enjoy the weekend, and we'll talk to you next week, everybody.